0: Hey there green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app and let's get growing. Hey everyone. Have I told you about today's sponsor Forager Project? They are like this awesome company in California. They're a family owned 100% organic plant-based food company. Dedicated to making the world a better place than they found it. They craft dairy-free yogurt, kefirs, milk, sour cream, cream cheese. They've got kale chips, oats, cereals. um, Just awesome things. Their main ingredient that makes the creamiest base for all their projects is organic cashews. Did you know that cashew is actually a seed that comes on an apple? The cashew apple. You can eat the apple and the seed. It's pretty cool. It grows on the outside. Um... Forager Project is passionate about creating healthy, organic, plate-based food, but they're equally passionate about nurturing a healthy democracy. They believe that voting is the most essential ingredient needed to do this. Forager wants to inspire everyone to get out and vote and participate in our democracy. They provided voting resources and information for you at foragerproject.com forward slash vote. They're also on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, etc., at Forager Project. Cultivate democracy. Vote. Hey everyone! So I just want to remind you that this is the most important time to be taking good notes on what's working well, what's not working well, what don't you want to forget come next February and March when it's time to order supplies or do your design. You know, what are your favorite seeds or what do you want to plant more of? Do you want more broccoli? Like you might think, I am never going to forget this, but you probably are going to forget it. And, um, a great way to support the green organic gardener podcast, um, would be to get our garden journal. That's got a beautiful butterfly that I took a picture of on our lilac. So it's like a little part of our home and your home. It's got blank pages and line pages, and, um, it would really support us a lot. Um, so, but most of all, we want you to have good records. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Friday, August 7th, 2020, and I have an amazing rock star millennial on the line who's a horticulture and ag science educator. She's from Shreveport, Louisiana, and I know she is just going to drop so many golden seeds today. It's going to be a great conversation. Before she became a teacher, she was a forester and worked for many national forest and wildlife refugees. Refuge- refuges wildlife refuges and uh she lives in shreveport with her husband and two daughters and loves all things gardening so welcome to the show mary is it mary, for or me. mary
1: elizabeth do people uh, either that? one is fine i'll answer to both
0: <laughs> okay well tell listeners a little bit about yourself
1: okay so um i am a horticulture and ag science teacher in shreveport louisiana Um, I work at the Caddo Career Center, which is our parish trade and vocational school. Uh, The cool thing about what I do is all of my students are special education uh, students with exceptionalities, so they get to learn uh, trade-based education in my class and learn how to work in a greenhouse and run a commercial nursery, Um, so it's a fantastic program.
0: How did you get involved in this? Was it like at the school and you just applied for the job? Or did you come up with this? Or
1: No, actually, I had decided that I wanted to be a high school biology teacher. Um, so that was what I was pursuing. And it just so happened that this wonderful position came available right as I was looking uh, for a teaching position. So it was Providence. It's perfect. Exactly what I think I was meant to do.
0: Well, I love to hear all of this. So, well, I actually start my show asking about your very first gardening
1: experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Like, who were you with and what'd you grow? Well, it's it's hard to pinpoint my exact uh, first gardening experience. I grew up in rural Louisiana where everybody has backyard gardens or everybody's a farmer. Um, so my parents, my grandparents, my neighbors, everybody, we all had home gardens. So I grew up in it, and you know, one of my earliest memories was being a child at my grandfather's camp um, on the by Mason in Gilbert, Louisiana. And he had a huge turnip patch, and my cousins and I would pretend we were pioneers, like starting a homestead, and we would just eat turnips for a day, then have six stomachs for Aww. a week. So that's uh. That's probably one of my first gardening uh, memories, experiences.
0: So is that where you learned how to garden organically or like how did that come about? Did you learn that in school or?
1: No, gardening organically was never something that I, I can't even remember hearing the term organic growing up. Like they all had their little tricks and remedies for doing things as far as fertilizers, like, um, stuff like that. But organically, I I didn't start getting interested in that until a few years ago. And it's been an ongoing journey to get to that point. Um, even right now, especially working in the school system, you have to pay attention to, to budgets and things like that. We have a huge school garden, um, and I garden at my home. And, you know, I'm sure as you know, and listeners know, sometimes organically can be a little bit more spendy, especially when you can buy bulk items that aren't. So it's slowly trying to either make our own, um, materials, you know, that are organic or reading everything I can to try to be more self-sufficient, you know, with composting and fertilizers and things like that. So, um, that's a recent thing, trying to be organic within the past few years otherwise no we grew up with you know dusting poisons and stuff like that
0: oh interesting well awesome well I'm glad you're learning all this and you're teaching the kids about it and I'm excited that your school has a giant garden what do you grow with the school garden what's it like in Louisiana right now because it's super hot I'm in northwest Montana like by the Canadian border so we're pretty opposite
1: yeah, it's it's super hot. In fact, um, I planted most of our tomatoes and everything really early um, before the almanac told me to because I just felt like we wouldn't be getting a frost after March 15th. So I planted everything on March 15th, and it's just now getting too hot for um, things to produce like they should. So um, we have a very long growing season. But right now, everything's starting to kind of wither and die because it's just been Hot and dry, and it's just constant upkeep trying to keep it going. But um, the school garden, actually, I started it this year. Um, it was the first year I applied for grants to our Master Gardeners um, organization here locally. Uh, we were able to get a substantial grant, um, and since all of my students are are special needs, several of them are physically disabled. I wanted to make a garden that was accessible to everybody. So we built uh, raised beds and containers that were the perfect height for students in wheelchairs or walkers. Um, so that's been an ongoing thing this year. Um, we have an amazing space and we've grown uh, winter crops. We've, we've done all sorts of greens and lettuces, uh, turnips and kale and cabbage uh, to tomatoes and melons. Um, tomatillos. I mean, you name it. We've tried it. We've got corn and sorghum. So it's very fantastic.
0: Wow, that sounds so awesome! And I love the picture you sent me of you with the little, um, the like monster plant. From uh, is that from that movie, The Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show, or something?
1: I love Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah, I little love shop Little Shop of Horrors. It <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> it's so cute. You're like the best teacher. I'll bet the kids love you. No. This is high school, right? Is it high school or elementary? Mm
1: -hmm. It's high school.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. I love to hear all of this. Um, It's really dry here too. I can just imagine how hot it is. March 15th, your last frost. So you did not get a frost March 15th.
1: Actually, I think it was before that. um, I just decided that March 13th was the day that all the schools shut down because of the coronavirus. So I had a lot of spare time and I said, I'm just going to wing it. And I don't think we're going to get another frost. And we didn't. So
0: (laughs) So what grew well this year? Tell us about something that grew well this year. Your tomatoes.
1: Uh, Okay. Well, first of all, shout out um, Baker Creek heirloom seeds. I get pretty much everything from them. And this year I tried the yellow gooseberry tomato um, and the cream sausage tomato. Um, and they were prolific. I mean, I have never seen so many tomatoes in one plant. So that was amazing. They did so great as well as I did Minnesota midget cantaloupes in containers. Um, and they were fantastic. So I was surprised by both of those. They did wonderful.
0: Awesome. We bought some Baker Creek heirloom tomato seeds this year that are growing really nicely uh i was just down there looking because i just in my one of the people i talked to this morning where was she at she was telling me how um i think they were in wisconsin they uh no it was the girl before i uh she's in iowa she's in iowa i finally interviewed someone from iowa and someone from louisiana today and um she, and she was making me wonder if I should pull the leaves off because she said her plants were so spindly, but they were covered in tomatoes. And she said, sometimes that happens if the plant's putting too much energy into making, producing the leaves and everything. And right. uh, So I was looking around. I'm like, wow, there's quite a few flowers on there. I think it's just we're cold. And these tomatoes mm-hmm. with like a little bit warmer heat. But I love the way you tell us the names of the actual varieties. That's fantastic because I'm really bad about recording <laughs> that. Like I'm like, I put, I write what day we put the tomatoes in the ground. You know, like I have all these records of what day we planted everything. But I am really bad about having records of like what was planted, where the oh. seeds came from. And we have seeds from I'm a, like I'm everywhere under the sun. That. Well, yeah, that's I'm good. That's a, a key secret. That. How about is there something you're excited to try next year or something new that you're going to try? I can't believe this is your first year, and you did all of this, especially just starting in
1: March. I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Can you say it again?
0: I said, I can't believe you grew all of this just since March, and just like how yes. much my internet connection is unstable. Oof, that's weird. Um, anyway, is there something you're I'm excited sorry, to try? I don't know
1: what's happening? I can't yeah. hear you again.
0: Uh, I guess my internet's going in and out.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: You're back now. Um, well, we'll try our best. Is there something you're excited to try next year that you haven't tried before?
1: Uh, yes, actually a lot of things. I think when you start gardening and you realize that it's something that's attainable and you can continue to do that, your mind just starts reeling with ideas and projects that you want to do, um a big one for me is to do like a native garden. So things that are native to the state of Louisiana, whether it's flowers or, um, produce, anything like that. I would love to have a native Louisiana garden. Um, another thing I would love to do is I'm just fascinated with historic gardens. Um, if we could try to mimic the gardens that like, george washington or thomas jefferson had to grow the same varieties and because there are so many detailed notes and journals out there of exactly what they grew and how they grew it i would love to try to replicate that so that's definitely something that's on my list of to-dos
0: you are a natural educator
1: uh (laughs) tell us about something
0: that didn't work so well this season what didn't go the way you thought it was gonna
1: Well, I grew several heirloom varieties of pumpkins and squash. Um, There was one in particular I was very excited about. Um, It was an Italian uh, seaside pumpkin. I forget the exact name. Um, But we had an awful time with squash vine borers this year. And so it was just an uphill battle trying to keep them off. I was able to get three nice size uh, squash off of it. But after that, it was just, they destroyed it. So that was upsetting. You live and you learn. So I've got to get that under control and I will definitely try it again next year.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, one of the biggest questions I get over and over is what do I do about squash boars and squash bugs and squash beetles? Um... Before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links.
1: You can find uh, Deer Fence Supplies on DeerBusters.com. We're located in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. We ship nationwide for free. And if you want 10% off, type in the word fences, F-E-N-C-E-S, at checkout on DeerBusters.com and save yourself some money while you're getting Deer Fence.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Forger Project. Family owned, 100% organic, plant based food company based in California, dedicated to making the world a better place than they found it. Forager crafts dairy free yogurts, kefirs, milks, and sour cream using their hero ingredient, organic cashews, for the creamiest base for all of its products. Forager Project is passionate about creating healthy, organic, plant based food, and they are equally passionate about nurturing a healthy democracy. They believe that voting is the most essential ingredient needed to do this. Forger wants to inspire everyone to get out and vote and participate in our democracy. They've provided voting resources and information for you at forgerprojectcom forward slash vote and on social at Forger Project. Cultivate democracy. Vote. And now let's get to the root of things. So this is kind of the part of the show I call getting to the root of things. So do you have like a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Something you got to force yourself to get out there and do?
1: Yes. And I am at the point of the year right now where it's time to tar- start uh, pulling up all the things that aren't producing anymore. And having to pull a plant up by the roots absolutely breaks my heart. So that's definitely my least favorite thing to do. I hate having to pluck them from the ground, but I know it's time to do the rotations for fall. So you just, you know, suck it up, buttercup.
0: Uh, Well, on the flip side, what's your favorite activity to do in the garden?
1: (sighs) My absolute favorite gardening activity doesn't actually take place in the garden. It's the planning I am a planner and sitting down and coming up with the varieties I want to plant figuring out my space and measuring everything off and just getting the ideas on paper just it fills me with joy so planning the garden is my absolute favorite garden activity I am kind of curious like
0: what you're gonna plant where you're pulling these things up like are you putting a fall crop in is that what you mean
1: Yep, and I've already started. So, um I will pull the summer things and start replacing it with different um we're doing birdhouse boards this year at the school, which is pretty exciting. So I've already got those in. Um I have okra that will be switching out for turnips and collard greens. Um so our cantaloupe bin is going to be changed to probably spinach and Swiss chard. So it's constant rotation. There's always something growing.
0: You are a total rock star millennial. Look at all the things that you're doing. So <laughs> what's the best gardening advice you've ever received?
1: Um, The best advice I've ever received is that mistakes and failures in the garden should not make you feel defeated. It gives you an opportunity to learn something new and try something different. So don't ever look at anything as a complete failure. It's just a learning experience.
0: So wise for your age. Uh a favorite tool that you like to use. If you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without?
1: I don't know if it's necessarily a tool. Um I love bean poles. I love bean poles. You can use them for everything. I've used them uh for beans obviously, but also as trellises and supports for other plants. I've used them as stakes for um nets for to keep pests off and birds and things like that. Um I use bean poles for so many things. So that's probably going to be my answer. They're just so versatile.
0: That's a great answer. Certainly nobody said that before. And I can <laughs> see why that's handy. I actually have these grapevines that I'm like, oh, I need to figure out how to build a trellis for them. I tried like using a rounded piece of PVC pipe, but they just don't really want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're going they every aren't. other way. Uh... What's your favorite recipe you like to cook from the garden or eat from the garden?
1: I love to cook and eat from the garden. Um, That's difficult to narrow it down. I love fried green tomatoes. That's probably like my favorite delicacy from the summer garden is fried green tomatoes. Um, But I also love just a plain uh, tomato sandwich, white bread with mayonnaise, salt, pepper, and tomatoes. But I love to make fresh pico too, especially when we're growing jalapenos. That's one of my favorite things.
0: Mm. Lots of good recipes there and treats. Uh, or um yeah. Uh are you a podcaster? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite podcast? I do
1: listen to podcasts. Um and it to, be have honest, to be
0: honest, garden related.
1: It's not garden related. Uh Jim Harold's Campfire. Uh, it's like a spooky paranormal podcast is probably my favorite. I've been listening to him for a long time and I enjoy it so much. So shout out Jim Harold. Cool.
0: How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web?
1: Um, I use our Ag Extension office a lot. So uh LSU Ag Center for the state of Louisiana. They always have great resources for planning guides and um like regional pests and diseases that we experience a lot here. I mean, it's it's more localized as to what we have going on and they always have the best information. So um, LSU Ag Center, I would say anybody who's looking for gardening advice or resources, reach out to your extension agencies. They've got a wealth of information that they'd be happy to share.
0: And what we were excited about is now they're doing an online course, finally, Master Gardener, um, Mm -hmm. because of COVID, which for us, the closest online course has been like 75 miles away. And who wants to do that in winter at 5 o'clock at night? So we haven't taken it. So Mike was looking into doing that. Um, How about a favorite reading material, like a book or a magazine or a blog or anything?
1: Um, I really enjoy Backwoods Home Magazine. Um, It's a magazine that's kind of geared towards people who are interested in self-sufficiency and homesteading and stuff like that. Uh, We live in the middle of a city, so we're not homesteaders, obviously, but there's great information. Uh, I love to can. I can everything that I can get my hands on and there's always wonderful um, canning recipes, gardening ideas, um, things that are, you know, you you just might not think of. Um, For example, Waddling, the idea, idea of using waddling to make raised beds was something that people used to do a long time ago before they could just go to the lumber store and buy materials to make a raised bed. Um, using things that you already have and learning to be, you know, more self-sufficient, that magazine is just wonderful. I love it. In, uh, recipes or animal husbandry, anything you can think of, they've got it. So Backwoods Home Magazine is probably my favorite.
0: What does waddling mean?
1: Um, it's like when you cut vines or you have thin shoots from plants, if you're pruning or trimming something, you can use those to basically weave a box. So you can make a raised bed from old vines and stems. And once they're dried, they become very hardy. And it's a great way to use something you already have. Plus I think the aesthetic of it's very pretty. <laughs>
0: yeah and we always have tons of that stuff, like corn stalks and sunflower yes. stalks sometimes, and I don't know. it just seems like that stuff's all over the place. And we bought a chipper one year to kind of chip it up more for the compost, but I don't know what happened to that. That project didn't go very well. Uh, well, do you have anything you want to talk about, or should I just go with my final question? Um, You can go with your final question. Okay. Mary Elizabeth, if there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or a project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment either locally, nationally, or on a global scale?
1: Well, it's probably no surprise that I think education is key when it comes to um Environment and passion for it. Um, I I'm of the mindset every school should have a school garden. Um, students should know how to plant things. They should know where their food comes from. Um, it's amazing how many kids out there don't even know that ketchup's made from tomatoes. And I'm not saying that to be funny. It's just they have no idea. They have no idea how things grow or uh, where it comes from. And being able to introduce that into schools gives you a whole new appreciation for plants and, you know, agriculture and just knowing where your sustenance comes from. And I would like there to be programs out there where people, um, kids can learn that gardening is not, you know, just one dimensional. Um, Our food is a reflection of who we are as a society um, I was reading an article yesterday from Smithsonian Magazine. They had found this uh, painting called the Fruit Stall. It was a 17th century painting, and they're able to use that now to help create a timeline of domestication of produce that we eat, like carrots and melons and things like that. Um, food affected everything. It affected, you know, the way we traded, the way you know countries were colonized. So. I just think it's important to bring that information back to the students that, you know, gardening is not just something your grandma did in her yard, you know, it's who we are. So that's it. That's what I think.
0: So I started a business and like a website a couple of years ago called Authentic Teacher Because I feel like there are so many lessons kids can get out of the garden. And I actually started it because I ran into the store and one of the parents was working there and she stops me and she's like, oh my gosh, I miss your class so much. I miss your Facebook group with your weekend math challenges. And it was just like right then, because I would always post this like authentic math challenge based on whatever we were learning like multiplication tables or how to make an array or like I always had something in the fake how to count change in second grade so and just um there's so many lessons in the garden where kids can learn how to measure or they can learn science and how to record and read data and how to grow things and one kid's maybe going to want to draw the flowers and just you know there's so many different things that kids can get out of the garden and yeah and then we have you know food insecurity in our country and just the kids can learn so many lessons I think that's so important yeah ketchup comes from tomatoes
1: yeah I mean gardening is is interdisciplinary you know it's it's everything like you said from from the arts to math to basic biology to even you know socio yeah um, social studies like you were talking
0: about and culture and colonization and just um I just think our kids spend so much time sitting and um there to get them out it would make them more peaceful and just uh you know there's nothing like I've learned so much about how to grow things since I started my podcast but I had no idea and I'm what 54 so in five years the first 49 year and my mom was an incredible gardener now granted she begged and pleaded for me to go out in the garden with her and I didn't want to have anything yeah. to do with it but um yeah so great well thank you so much for being such a awesome and gracious and knowledgeable um guest today and just passionate and and lovely and eloquent and uh I don't know I found you in a f- garden group on Facebook. So maybe if listeners wanted to connect you there, do you want to tell them what Facebook group
1: that was? Yes, it was Joe Gardner, which I forgot to mention is an absolutely wonderful resource for organic gardening. So Joe Gardner on Facebook. um, There's also the podcast. So yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute joy.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us all your wisdom and just um like i said your passion your inspiration i know people are going to be um like lots of new ideas and probably be looking up baker creek heirloom seeds which is a company that again you know we love and um all sorts of great resources today so have a
1: great day okay you too thank you
0: thank you hey everyone have i told you about the forager project they're a hundred percent organic plant-based food company based in california Dedicated to making a world a better place than they found it. Don't you love that? They make yogurts, kefirs, all these cool things out of organic cashews. Do you know that cashews are actually a seed on an apple? Yeah, I found the coolest um, video on cashews anyway so they turn these cashews into sour cream cottage cheese milk yogurts um they're really delicious they sent me samples actually in a fedex box with ice it was so cool um they're absolutely delicious forager project is passionate about creating healthy organic plant-based food and equally passionate about nurturing a healthy democracy. They believe that voting is the most essential ingredient needed to do this. Forger wants to inspire everyone to get out and vote, and that means you participate in our democracy. They provide voting resources and information for you at forgerproject.com forward slash vote, or on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Forger Project. Cultivate democracy. Vote. Hey, listeners, are you taking good notes of what's going on in your garden? Are you recording what's working well? Are you recording all the things that you want to do differently next year? I guarantee you, if you wait to the fall, if you think you are never going to forget that you want to plant more carrots or you want to put the arugula in a different bed or you want to get a different type of beet or you found the perfect scenes and if you think you're going to remember that in January, I guarantee you, you are not going to remember it. And the best thing you can do, and this is not just me saying this, this is guests have been on my show, but I know Mike and I, this is the time to be journaling. And Hey, if you want to support the organic gardener podcast while you're doing it, did you know that I made a beautiful blank journal? It's got a photo of a butterfly on the lilacs at our house that I took. And it's got I think 135 pages that are either lined or blank that you can sketch in. So if you want to support us, and it's super cheap. It's like $595, I think, on Amazon. So um if you want to support the show, but most of all, if you want to have good records for your garden, if you want a place where you can take notes Um, Of what's going on now, what's working well, what didn't work, what don't you want to forget come February when you're filling out your order for next year. Now is the time to do it. Whether it's, I want to get some Agribond cloth, I want to make sure I have row cover, I want to make sure that I have, um, you know, I just did this awesome interview with um, this guy who's following Lisa Ziegler's Cool Flowers. Um, He's in the southeast Um, but you know, he's planting perennial seeds now because they are going to stuff their beds with cool season annuals and perennials for the fall. Um, so that in September they're coming, I mean, in the spring, they've already got a good start and everything else. And they can be one of the first flower farmers in the area to have flowers, a garden journal to record all of your hard work and your notes and what's working and what you don't want to forget for next year.